1.30 on a Tuesday afternoon. That means it's time to record another episode, another edition, another version of the Tony G Show. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. Yeah, audience applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony <laughs> G Show. I'm your host, Tony G. With me as always today, Will McCormick. Will, how are you? Doing good. How are you doing? I've been thinking about your nickname. Remember, this has been a running theme. We're not going to get one. Since like season two, season three. What if you think, you know, because, and I'm going to do this on air here. Well, well, the mics are hot and it's okay. I'm thinking about this. What if we changed your last name to something with an M so you can still be Will M? Like Will Martin. Will Mussolini. I want to have like a stage name. Yeah. Even though we're not on a stage and we're just in a yeah. college dorm. Yep. Because um, my friend Bill Scott of the Wisconsin Radio Network, his real name is not Bill Scott. I'm not going to say his real name, but, you know, it's a stage. It's, yeah. a, it's a name for radio. We'll have, to, we'll have to look into that. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. Hi, Bill. Anyways. Yeah, what about Will Martin? Will Mussolini? Will Mouse? I don't know. What if we changed Will to Bill? I could do that. Billy. Hey, I Billy. like my last name. You like we could we could you you're, you're like wise right you you'd say you're you're wise, um, I mean I'd like to think I am. I try to be okay. That's humble, humble Billy, Billy humble. I w- I was named after my grandpa Bill, so Bill would okay. We're gonna Bill could work. We're gonna keep this in the works. Although it'd be kind of I mean I yeah. If I start, I'm, we're gonna start weaning you into the Bill name, and we're gonna perfect it. You right with that? Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Also, it's like Bill Martin. It's like summer outside right now. Yeah, it is. It's about the warmest it's been in weeks. It's like 15. 15, 14 degrees, I think I saw today. It's beautiful. Yep. And the sun rays really add that extra mm-hmm. element of warmth. Bill Martin. That's actually all we have for you today, so we're going to call it there. All right. I Let's not do the Martin thing. You don't like Martin? No. Okay. Yeah. Billy Humble. Let's just, maybe Bill. Why is Bill? See, but I want to add something Billy, around Bill. You could do like Billy the Kid, like the... That's already taken. Like the gunslinger. It's already taken. Bill. Billy the man. (laughs) (laughs) Billy the man. I'm here with Billy the The, man. The thing is, though, I can't make up my own nickname. That's an unwritten rule. You can't make up your own nickname. I made up Tony G. It doesn't count. No, but people call you. I've called you Tony G forever since I've known you. That's true. A lot of people. Matt Swanson, our friend. Yeah. Tony G. Matt Weaver, our friend. Right. Like, you didn't go, hey, by the way, I'm going by Tony G now. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Like, no, I just always... Blah. always called you that well that's the thing because i've always kind of gone by tony teachers have always called me tony so let's get into the show remember thursday a huge show for the tony g show a huge landmark in the show episode number 93 will be thursday this is 92 on thursday we're going to have saint norbert college athletics director tim bald on the show interviewing him man i look forward to it i like I'm actually counting down the days until we interview Tim because I'm so excited about it. He's such a good guy. How many days are left? Today and then tomorrow and then Thursday. <laughs> so technically two. So I, I look forward to it. He he always gives a good response and good answers and it'll be pretty good audio. So I look forward to having Tim on the show mm-hmm. for the Tony G show. Announced his retirement in late January. So that kind of you know sparked our interest to get him on the show and discuss his career. So that'll be Thursday's episode of the Tony G show. It'll be called... Tony G Show interviews, that's like our archives or our mm-hmm. one of our elements that we're going to start doing instead of like a regular Tony G Show episode. It'll still count towards our total episodes, but it'll be a different abbreviation. So look out for that different podcast cover and title. All right, today, to preview the show, we're going to be talking about J.J. Watt because he requested his release from the Houston Texans on Friday. And... It was granted. He is now a free agent, unrestricted, can go anywhere he wants. So Will and I are going to be discussing where we could see him fitting in. And of course, the one element that we have to take into consideration with this is the money. Who's going to be willing to pay for J.J. Watt? It, it'll be a good discussion. I, I look forward to it. And then like the second element of that first segment of the J.J. Watt uh, discussion is going to be about the Houston Texans. And the... <laughs> dysfunctional dumpster fire that has become the Houston Texan football team. So we'll discuss that as well. The second segment, we're going to switch to college football. It's something we don't usually do, especially when it's not in season. But a big signing just happened around the college football landscape, and I think it's a great signing for both the team 
and the head coach. We'll get into that in the second segment. And then the third segment, everybody's favorite sport, NASCAR. I'm going to recap Daytona. I'm actually going to let Will do it because I know he's such an avid fan. Race cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's our show. J.J. Watt, the Texans, and a recap of Daytona. All right. Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Twitters, at Tony G Show on Twitter, at Willis5312 on Twitter. Now our intro to the Tony G Show. Okay, Tony G Show, Season 6, Episode 5. Let's get into it. On Friday, J.J. Watt asked for his release from the Houston Texans. And we're going to be discussing where we could see him fitting in some of the early front runners to land J.J. Watt on their organization, on their roster, money aspects. Because, of course, as I mentioned in the open, that the, the element of money, having money to pay for J.J. Watt is going to be a huge factor in where he lands, of course, because the guy is a big money name. And just because he's you know a little older, a little battered and bruised, will it affect the amount of value around J.J. Watt? Will that play a factor in how much he can ask for? We'll talk about that and more as we discuss J.J. Watt. But let's just talk about you know who J.J. Watt is, where he rose to stardom. Ten seasons in Houston. A five-time All-Pro, a five-time Pro Bowler, a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, and a one-time Walter Payton Man of the Year. A good guy on and off the field. Remember all that help that he did in Houston when the hurricane uh, landed there and caused just a load of aftermath. And he did an amazing part in raising money and raising funds from the entire nation, from the entire world, to help out the city of Houston. So for that he, and, and many other things and many other uh, actions he does won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. So that among an entire list of accolades surrounding J.J. Watt. The one season I'm going to pick out here and discuss is his 2014 season because he almost added an, an MVP to his resume mm-hmm. in this 2014 season. 20 and a half sacks. That's one and a half off the record. It's pretty good. That's very good. 29 tackles for loss. That's tied for second most in the NFL. You know who he's tied with for second and who's first? I don't know who. J.J. Watt. Oh, okay. Yeah. The three top spots for tackles in a loss in a season. He did it with 39, 29, and then again 29 in this 2014 season. Also, 51 quarterback hits, but how about five touchdowns as well? Three receiving, a pick six, and a fumble recovery, scoop and score, for a touchdown. He had 13 votes for MVP, which I think is the most ever for a defensive player, which is remarkable. That's a good amount. That's a very solid amount considering the landscape of the MVP award as it is today. And, of course, the winner was Aaron Rodgers, who had his second of three MVPs at that point in 2014. So he had tough competition to win an MVP. But regardless, the impact that he had in that season, obviously he's not the same player. No, 2014 J.J. Watt is much different than 2021. Very much so. He's, you know, he's had more injuries. He's had a little more beats and bruises. And, you know, ever since his 2014 season, his career has kind of been plagued with this theme of injury. He's been very injured, been very bruised and battered and used. You know, I mean, it's the NFL. That's going to happen. So... Looking forward for J.J. Watt, where do we think he can end up? I'm thinking, you know, when you think of the landscape, and we're going to say early favorites um, of, of all these teams, but the one thing that is common between all of them is that they're competitive, winning teams who have their eyes set on a Super Bowl in the next coming seasons. And, of course, why wouldn't they be if you're contending for J.J. Watt? Why, if you're J.J. Watt, should you not look for a contender? You're leaving a dysfunctional Houston Texans team that we're going to get into here pretty soon. 
you have to, and he wants to look for that spark where he can get that ring because of all things that he wants, you can just see it in the way he acts on and off the field. You know, when he's mic'd up and they release that on social media, the NFL does, you can just hear it in his voice that he wants to win. He wants his career and his legacy to be how he won. And, you know, what he does off the field, of course. But in terms of on the field, he doesn't want to be known for his MVP or individual statistics or accolades. His MVP contention, I I should say. He wants to be known for his rings and his Super Bowls. And he can't get that in Houston. And he recognizes that, asks for his trade. And, you know, best of luck to him (laughs) in moving forward. Because he is more than deserving of going to a a contending team rather than trying to continue to resurrect that Houston Texans uh, organization. And they've had a few seasons like here and there where it was like, oh, they look like they could be a really promising team, and then they just kind of like like fall flat on their face. They've hosted a couple playoff games. Yeah. They've all been on wild card weekend, and they've all got, it seems like they've been bounced in the first round or second round a lot. They don't get very deep into the playoffs. But, you know, it's just the theme of, not getting in that deep into the playoffs, and especially the season they had last year, not even competing. And it's not like they're playing in the toughest organization. And this is you know, more on the Houston Texans side of things, so we're going to talk about this in a second, pick this up in about 10 minutes here. But where do we see J.J. Watt landing? Some of the early favorites, we'll start here, is Pittsburgh. This is like the number one option that people are speculating because of his brothers T.J. and Derek Watt. T.J., of course, falling into second place for the Defensive Player of the Year award in this most recent season to Aaron Donald. And, you know, make of that what you will. A lot of people didn't agree with that decision on the part of the NFL and their and their voters and their voting system, I should say. But look at some of the other things that Pittsburgh is dealing with. You know, we talk about that common element being money. Right now, I I don't think there's very many contracts that are going to get in the way of the Pittsburgh Steelers making a run at J.J. Watt. They have that big contract for Big Ben, and there's a couple statistics of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, what what they're going to do with him. and um, You have some numbers up, Will, I believe? Yeah, they have some decently sized uh, contracts that they might have to pay. Like you mentioned, Juju, his contract, he's a unrestricted free agent here coming up, and uh, same with James Conner, too. Yep. So decently large players in their offense. Um, let's see here. They're missing uh, Bud Dupree. He's gonna have to be signed. I don't think he's gonna be that expensive. But no, another big, so another decent sized name where it's like he'll cost a good coin. Yeah. Um. So they kind of. The, there's a. I think the Steelers. He could land. He could land there. Yeah, I, um, I could see that. The thing is, TJ is gonna be expensive too. That is. Yeah. So you're kind of making a choice. And mm-hmm. the, the other part that plays into this that you know, we're going to continue to talk about with all these teams is what's the length of the contract J.J. Watt's looking for? Right. If he's looking for a one-year deal, then... One or two-year deal, like a Tom Brady-type situation. Yeah. Then it opens up... For a couple of the teams we're going to mention. The opportunities for a couple teams. But if he's looking for that four- or five-year contract, you know, where he's kind of getting to the back end of his career and he wants to get paid now or wants to get length to make sure he's on a team towards the back end of his career... You know, maybe it's going to cap the amount of teams he can go to. I still think Pittsburgh is there in the talk if you want to go long term for JJ. But like you said, what about TJ? Right, and do you, I mean, do you think there's a possibility that he chases the bigger contract, like signing with like the Jets or something, like where no. he would be completely non-competitive? No, nope. you don't think it's nope. even a chance. He would have stayed in Houston if that were the case. <laughs> he had his money there. Yeah. He had his security there. He had his uh, place in Houston. He had his life set up to be in Houston. He wants to win. Yeah. Man, it, that's what I'm thinking. And I guess that's pure speculation, but considering the accolades he has now, you would assume that he's leaving because he wants to win. You almost have to. Right. And that's what I think. You know, looking at his financial situation, situation, the guy's set up. Mm-hmm. The guy's good to roll. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He wants to win, and I think... There's no bones about that. Like I said, you just see how he carries himself. It's a guy who wants to win. It's a guy who's ready to get a ring. And it's a guy who'd be very uh, grateful for the opportunity to even play in a Super Bowl, let alone win one. Is Pittsburgh the spot for J.J. Watt to end up? Good team. Prime to be contenders again next season for all uh, 
imaginable things. I mean, Big Ben, there's that question. He's under contract for next season. We talked about that in the quarterback shuffle last Thursday. It's going to be his last season. This is going to be the Steelers' kind of last heave-hole for Big Ben. What are we going to do moving forward? Well, let's think about next season when we still have Big Ben, our quarterback situation figured out. Do they go help the defense? Does the defense need that much help? And if they do, is the help they need in the pass rushing regime? Right. That make that's a good know. question. That's a really good question. Do you really need JJ Watt if you're the if you're the Steelers? Right. Like there's probably a better bang for your buck they might be able to pursue. How about Patrick Peterson, the cornerback who's a free agent now? Right. Hmm. You know, that is that somewhere that the Steelers might actually end up looking because they need help there? They don't need another pass rusher. No, TJ's pretty good. <laughs> TJ TJ's good. I mean, if you throw J.J. Watt in there, it's another contract. It's like, you know, we have depth here. We're good here. We're stacked here. We're very excellent here. But how about we help out the situations that are just kind of decent or floating at average? Right. It, it, it makes you wonder. It'll basically depend on if Pittsburgh values quarterback pressures over a yeah. corner, like an island-type yep. corner where yep. you can just shut somebody down. Because, I mean, if the quarterback can't get the ball to the receiver, then, you know, he's yeah. not going to catch it. I agree. Obviously. Yeah. But... Yeah, you're right. It's kind of that dance of having enough quarterback pressure and, and a good corner at the same time. I like the way you put it. What does Pittsburgh value more? And I think that's a good transition into this next team. Right. It's the same thing with this team, too. Same thing with this team. How about the Green Bay Packers? A lot of people are speculating the Packers because of uh, J.J.'s ties to Wisconsin sports. You know, he graduated from Wisconsin. So did Derek and TJ. They're all from Wisconsin. I think the Kenosha area. And so there's a lot of speculation. Hey, how about Green Bay? They need help in the pass rushing regime as well. Run stop. They need help on the run stop. They need help on the defensive line as a whole. Kenny Clark is it. Who you got next to him? Kingsley Kiki and Montrevious Adams. And Dean Lowry is going to be a free agent. Dean Lowry. How about Tyler Lancaster? I mean, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with these guys. No, I think Dean Lowry is under so, contract. Sorry, it's uh, Lancaster is a free Lancaster. agent. Lancaster, yep, yep. But, I mean, regardless, that's the point. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Lancaster. Montrevious Adams and Kingsley Kiki. I've been saying that for years. I've been saying that since Matt LaFleur got the job. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with these guys. So J.J. Watt would be a good addition there. What do you value if you're the Green Bay Packers? Right. That pass rush, getting help on the defensive line, or do you value another quarterback in the first round? Right. And I and I texted you this too. I mean, I pretty much, as soon as I saw this news, I think I texted you like immediately. Correct. Because I was like, Packers should get him. The big, you know, the big story is that Rodgers never has any weapons. Right. So how many times is JJ going to be lining up on the offensive side of the ball? Is that is that more important for the Packers at this right. point? What do you value? Do you right. value having another wide receiver? But again, this is a team that doesn't historically draft wide receivers early, especially in the first round. I mean, they draft wide right. receivers, but it's not early. They're not like guys who are primed to play now. It's always these guys that are a little more on the experimental side of things. So historically, they haven't been, we got to go draft a wide receiver to play now next season they haven't been like that historically they got their tight end situation set up the way they want right their offensive line is Tanyan and pretty set Tanyan and Lewis are unrestricted free agents Alan Lazard is an unrestricted free agent so they're gonna I mean I think I think Tanyan's unrestricted I may be wrong on that yeah um I know Lazard is definitely unrestricted or, or, or sorry is restricted free agent so he'll be re- generally pretty cheap um but can they run with those guys because in my opinion, towards the beginning of the season, I was like, yikes, this is not a good crew. Yeah. But towards the back end, you know, Valdez Scantling started picking up some uh, huge weight in the playoffs, yeah. which yep. is like, for Scantling, I was like really happy to well, see especially that. Especially because of the up and down season he's had. Right. Do they need more value on defense or offense? And I, you could almost say the same with this next team, too. Well, you know, in this next team, yeah, you, you could bring that up. But, I mean, to keep going on the thought of, what offensive help they need in particular. Mm -hmm. Their offensive line is set. You know, Lindsay's up in the air with his contract next year. Are you going to re-sign him or not? Same thing with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. What are you going to do there? But, I mean, like, the offense is pretty much set the way it needed to be. The offense wasn't the problem last year. No. The offense wasn't what lost them the NFC Championship game. Mm. I mean, I guess you could argue that it was to a sense. I mean, they, you know, they didn't put together that, those last two, it, it was kind of a combination of the two. Right. They could have scored in those last two drives, but they also shouldn't have given That's up not what I'm saying. 30 points. I think the points. thing is, you know, it wasn't offense that lost you that conference championship. It was the fact you gave up an unnecessary touchdown at the end of the first half. Okay, yeah. I it agree. was the fact that 
Well, I guess, I guess, you know what? I could see both ways because your defense got three interceptions and you didn't capitalize. Right. But it was the fact that the offense had to play catch up from the beginning. Yeah, that's true. And, and how about not just like the conference championship? What was the theme all season? Right. The run. They played on defense. And and don't get us wrong. The defense played, this is probably the best defense we've seen in what? Since 2010. It was close. 2010 was the best defense, I think. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, talent wise and improvement wise, this defense is totally different from three, four years ago. Correct. I feel a little bit of confidence in this defense. So how about that remark you made about the next team? You know, what do they need help with? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are speculating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think so no. because it's the same situation like we mentioned in Pittsburgh. What do you need help with? You don't need another pass rusher. No. Remember in our Super Bowl recap, I called the Tampa Bay defensive line the most dominant front seven and this is the linebackers as well, the most dominant front seven in all of the NFL. So do you need another pass rusher on defense? No. You know, you look at the aspects of where they have to improve. I don't know their contract situation with those guys in the front seven, but you just won the Super Bowl. Do you really need to go out and make this move? You'd like to, sure. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I just don't think it's the most likely outcome for J.J. Watt. Where do I think... J.J. Watt will go. This is the question of the Tony G show. Where will J.J. Watt go? Tony G says number one overall option, his destination, that he will end up landing towards, that he will arrive at. Should I quit beating around the bush and just get to it? Will? Mm-hmm. Okay. Buffalo. I say he's going to go to the Bills. I like that. I think he's going to fit nicely next to Ed Oliver and Vernon Butler on the defensive line that they got there in, in Buffalo. I think it would be a great compliment to the offense that they have in Josh Allen. I love the job Sean McDermott's doing. He had my vote for uh, Coach of the Year. So, could be that little push they need. It could be that extra element of what they need to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think they could contend. I think J.J. Watt would be able to stay healthy there. I mean, that's a division that's not the toughest, right? not the most physical. You know, if he went to the AFC North like the Steelers, he'd get beat up a little bit with that offensive line. Plus, uh, I think Bill's Mafia would take care of him. Yes. Good <laughs> fan base. I mean, it's everything that I think J.J. Watt is looking for in a team. It's opportunity, mm-hmm. it's contention, and it's money, too. I don't know the money situation there, but I think right. they don't have many overwhelming contracts. Probably their biggest would be, uh, well, obviously Josh Allen's going to be expensive if he hasn't signed a, out of his rookie deal yet, but... Uh, What's that receiver they just signed from Minnesota? Stephon, uh, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs. Yeah. So not, I'm sure his contract is... It was a trade, too. Okay. Yeah. So, um, But here's the thing I wanted to ask you, you or ahead. I guess hear your opinion on. I think the best situation for J.J. Watt is he goes to a team where he's not like the key piece to that defense. Where in Houston, he's like, it's like, all right, we got J.J. Watt in the middle. Now let's fill in some you know, average to okay players around him. I, yeah. Obviously, they have some good players, but like... I get what you're asking. Yeah, J.J. in in uh, Texas, or the, for the Texans, sorry, was centerpiece. Yep, whereas, I agree. Whereas, like, if you went to Green Bay, he'd be with Zadaria Smith, Kenny Clark. He wouldn't have to be... He wouldn't have to carry the defense. Right. Yeah. And I or think, if he went to Tampa Bay, he wouldn't have to carry the exactly. defense. Exactly. So yeah. Tampa Bay could work out that way. Um, same with Pittsburgh, too. I mean... So that's why I'm thinking those three teams, like, I think he would thrive on those teams. I, Buffalo would too, but he, I mean, obviously it's not as talented as the as Green Bay, Pittsburgh, or Tampa. Here's So what's your thoughts on that? Here's what I think. If it was a normal player, I would agree. But this is J.J. Watt, right? So when you think of pairing him with talent around him, you know, or, or any superstar, you think... That's good because now the pressure's off of him. But J.J. Watt puts that pressure on himself. You know, he he carries himself with that type of esteem and motivation. Right. And he wants to be that type of X factor. I don't think it it would affect his play at all because he carries himself with that much intensity regardless. I, I guess I was taking it on the side that, like, I don't think... I think it would be good for him, like, health-wise. Sure. Like, he wouldn't be getting double and triple teamed. Yeah. He wouldn't be, like you know, pushing himself to basically get nowhere. Cause with, with the Texans in the last two years, he's just been, you know, triple team, him. double team. Then it's like, he just gets also bad. Jadavion Clowney though in Houston. But yeah, but that's, I mean, that's like know, a, that's also been an injured type I, I'm, player. Clowney. I'm not 
big on. I don't think Clowney's a game. I get what you're saying. So you mean like the focus point of the offensive line is going to be J.J. Watt. Right. Where he's going to have a lot more manpower in his face trying to stop him compared to everyone else because he is just so far ahead of the rest of the competition or, right. or so far ahead of his teammates talent-wise. Right. I get what you're saying. Right. Like it'll, it'll push him to be like, all right, I'm with a good group of guys. Yeah. You know, he's going to be still motivated. I'm not taking it that... Yeah. You know, it's going to push him no, to be no, better I get your, because he's I get what aspect you're taking on this. Yeah. I get I just, your angle. It's I, just it's just that I think, you know, in the offensive line situation, in the offensive line scenario, you obviously want to protect the quarterback and and force holes for your running back. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Right. J.J. Watt. That's the name of the game. <laughs> you don't do nothing if you don't do that. Right. But here's the thing with J.J. Watt is that he's going to get attention regardless. Oh, yeah regardless, I think there's going to be double teams in his face for the rest of his career just because, I mean, he's a three-time defensive player of the year. I get it. Pairing him with, like, like put him with T.J. Watt. You know, it's like pick your poison. Which side of the line are you going to cover? Right. I understand that, but still, J.J. Watt is going to get that attention, I think. Just for him personally, mm-hmm. he's going to get that much uh, of a challenge, of an obstacle from opposing offenses regardless just because it's jj watt just for the name power Mm -hmm. yeah and i i think you'll still pull that as well but i think being around a team that's it's gonna bring more success right so like he'll be getting you know if he gets double teamed a lot you know quite quite often with whatever team he lands with it's like oh he's getting double teamed but somebody else you know like it's gonna lead to success as a team i understand your angle which is more rewarding in terms of like wanting to keep pushing through injury in terms of a team, that's a great segue to transition from J.J. Watt to the organization he wanted to get out of, the Houston Texans. This reminds me a lot of a situation in baseball a couple years ago. A couple years. It was about a decade ago. <laughs> How about in like, I think it was 2009, 10? 2010 or 11. Star player in Houston, a dysfunctional Houston team, asked to get out. Had to leave. Just had. He was going to jump off a bridge if he stood another day playing for that Houston organization. And that was Hunter Pence in the Houston Astros organization. I remember that very well because Hunter Pence was about, I I mean, he was about to shoot himself into the moon if he had to spend another day in Houston. And it's very similar here. Remember now he, he got traded to Philadelphia and then he spent out the rest of his career in San Francisco for the Giants and had a very good career. But this is something very similar. Another Houston organization that has just gone dysfunctional. So what made them go wrong? What made them go so sour? You know, we talk about this, the, uh, the possible trade destinations for Deshaun Watson. And we did that Thursday on the quarterback shuffle episode. No, Tuesday. Thursday? Whenever the quarterback shuffle Thursday. episode was. I think it was Thursday. We discussed the the possible trade opportunities for Deshaun Watson. Why did he ask out as well? I mean, you couldn't have rebuilt a program any worse than this. <laughs> it couldn't have gone any more wrong. They had to get a new head coach and a new GM because Bill O'Brien blew it in Houston. If I was a Houston fan, a Houston Texan fan, I'd want to say I, I'd want Bill O'Brien shot into the sun. <laughs> Unbelievable for what he's done there. He got the job as the coach. And the GM. And the GM. And he blew it on such a magnitude that now your dream players, the players that a franchise dreams of having in their organization, want out. When you think of a rebuilding organization, you draft guys like a Deshaun Watson, who was taken early in the first round. J.J. Watt, who was taken early. You dream of guys getting like uh, Jadavion Clowney. How about DeAndre Hopkins? How about even years before them, Andre Johnson and Arian Foster? Yeah. I mean, you you dream of players like that. Mm -hmm. And when you actually get them in your organization, now the plan is to win. Now everything else is out of the way. You have your players. Now you have a straight shot to winning. And you still didn't do it. You didn't do it in the early 2010s with, like I mentioned, Adrian... uh, Arian Foster and Andre Johnson, Adrian. <laughs> you didn't do it when you went out and got Deshaun Watson and now J.J. Watt, and now they both want out in the same year. Abysmal. This is all on Bill O'Brien. If I was, if I was a team in the NFL, 
I would not let Bill O'Brien within 50 feet of my <laughs> NFL front office. He should never see an NFL front office again, Bill O'Brien, for what he's done. And how about the trade of DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, what a disaster that was. Yeah, that was not a good bang for your buck trade. No. For the, for the Texans, at least. And people were saying that right out of the gate when that trade when that trade uh, uh, blew headlines when it came out that that trade had been made. People were saying that right at the beginning. This was a terrible trade. They didn't get you. What? Right. I can't. I couldn't believe my eyes when I looked into be, it. Be like, well, it's disastrous. Wouldn't be quite like trading Devonte Adams for that much, but I think it's equivalent. Maybe maybe Devonte Adams three years ago, talent wise. I don't get what you're saying. I'm, so, I'm saying Devonte's better receiver than DeAndre Hopkins, right. but. I think it'd be the same. Yeah. I think it'd be the same. Point, if the Packers trade away. How about this? Would you do this trade for me, uh, Will? Mm-hmm. If the Green Bay Packers traded Devontae Adams mm-hmm. to, I don't know, just a team in my head right now. The Dolphins. If, if, they, if this is, I think, equivalent. If the Packers traded Devontae Adams to the Eagles for Miles Sanders, I think it'd be equivalent. That would be pretty equivalent. Miles Sanders and David Edwards have both had, you know, good years in the NFL, but both had very average years in the NFL. I think it'd be about the same trade. You'd be sitting there thinking, what? I mean, Miles Sanders is an okay get, mm-hmm. but for that? Right. No. So, I, I, I mean, that is just accumulated with the locker room feel. I think that was one of the things when Bill O'Brien was fired, you know, it, it came out that he did a terrible job in terms of just having an energy, a winning energy and attitude around the NFL. He used to be the head coach at Penn State, and he did not handle the transition into pro football very well. Like I said, if I were an NFL exec, I'd put a ban on Bill O'Brien even coming in our state. Get him out of the county. I don't want him taking a vacation to this area. I don't want him near my front office. If I was Bill O'Brien, I think he's got a shot to be a head coach again at the college level, I think that's what's next for him. He could land a D1 program, a low D1, maybe not in a Power 5 conference right out of the bat, right out of the gate. But regardless, I think he'd be a head coach somewhere. He's still got a career ahead of him. But an executive in a front office after this disaster in Houston? No. Bill O'Brien, like I said, if I was a Houston Texan fan, I'd want him shot into the sun with a thousand pardons. No. Get out. It, you cannot blow this this terribly if you're Bill O'Brien. I mean, this is a complete implode and disaster. We're a little over time here. We should uh, a transition here in the Tony G Show. But, I mean, just to wrap this up, it has been it, it, such a terrible job that Bill O'Brien did in Houston. He should be ashamed of what he did. He should feel remorse for what he did. And he should feel the effects, the consequences of what he did in Houston. He should never be in a front office again in the NFL. I don't care what organization it's for. I don't care what position it is. I think his time in the NFL has come to a crashing halt and cease. All right. Enough of that deep deep conversation. Man, I got so serious there. (laughs) Shooting guys into the sun left and right. Look at me go. Okay. Banning guys from my city. Let's move on to the second segment here in the Tony G Show. I mentioned in the open that there was a head coach that had just got signed to be the head coach of a a new college program. And I really like it for both the head coach and the college. And this situation I'm talking about is former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn. Just signed on to be the head coach of UCF. And this is good for both parties because Gus Malzahn is now walking into a program that has been successful in the near future, that has talent, and has namesake, maybe one of the best, I'm going to go ahead and say it, the best program that's not in a Power 5 conference. Woo. And, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be someone bringing up another team that I'm not thinking about. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say it, the best team not in a Power 5 conference. Point UCF. remains, they're a pretty good team. They're a very good team. And this conference, of course, I'm talking about is the American Conference, not po- not a Power 5 conference. UCF is the He's walking into this program. And, and this is well-deserved, well-needed for UCF. The word I'm thinking of is overdue. 
this is overdue. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this success in recent years. Uh, you know, let me look at the recent seasons here. Remember 2017 when they went 13-0? and And the highest they got in the AP polls was six. A lot of people were calling for them to get into the uh, college football playoff. And they didn't. The next season they went 12-1. and Lost in the Fiesta Bowl. The next season, 2019, they went 10-3. and Last season they went 6-4. and COVID, you know, this or that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make excuses for them, but... Now they have a new head coach in Gus Malzahn. I think this is the perfect fit. And when you look at Gus Malzahn and who he is and what he does, a 68-35 and 35 record overall with Auburn and uh, the eight seasons he spent there. Look at his last couple of years. They haven't been the most eye-opening years. I mean, a lot of 8-5, and 7-6, and 9-4. and four. He went 8-5 and five three times. Kind of average of the pack. He had a 10-4 and four season but is remembered for that 2013 year where they went 12-13, and 13, lost in the BCS championship. 12-3, and 3, you mean? Sorry. What did I say? 12-13? and 13? Yeah. 12-2. and 12-2. and two. Thanks, Will. Yeah. Yeah. 12-2, and two, and they lost in the BCS championship. The next year, they went 8-5, and five, still bowl eligible, lost in the Outback Bowl to Wisconsin, by the way. <laughs> then won a Birmingham Bowl. Hey. It's pretty prestigious. <laughs> Birmingham. Lost the Sugar Bowl, lost the Peach Bowl, lost the Outback Bowl again, and lost the Citrus Bowl. Yeah, they so, got the Birmingham Bowl, though, so that's the most important one. Yeah, you got the Birmingham Bowl. They also got the Music City Bowl. Music City Bowl? Yeah. Was that Nashville? <laughs> All right, now we're clowning. Now we're clowning Gus Malzahn when I have this argument structured that this was a good signing. <laughs> Listen, I love this pickup for UCF. They now bring in experience. They now bring in an extraordinary uh, recruiter, a guy who has recruited a lot of talent mm-hmm. in his, um, in his in his term in Auburn. It, it's really gonna, I I have a feeling it's gonna change their recruitment. Uh, UCF platform, yeah. yeah. And it's, they've been able to recruit very well. I mean, right. they've had a lot of talent in, in their recent seasons. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that they're bad at recruiting, but but I, I get what you're saying. It's now. gonna bring that extra prestige. It's gonna bring that player that's. Choosing between a Power Five conference and UCF, and it might, you know, pull might them away. Them. Yeah, it might sway them towards a non-Power Five team in UCF. And I was all for UCF being in the college football playoff. I mean, you want the best teams in there, and you can make about it what you will. The strength of schedule, however, UCF that year that they went thirteen and zero was a dominant football team. And then the year they went 12 and 2 or 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 12 and 1. Let me look that up, pull that up again. Yeah, 12 and 1, 13 and 0 and then 12 and 1. That's dominant football. So when you think of what you want in the college football playoff, a good team, competitive team, and I think I thought back then that they were going to be a team to compete no matter who they played. Did I think they were going to win necessarily? I don't know, probably not, but it still would have been a good football game to watch. It still would have been a competitive football game. And now moving forward, now they have an even better head coach than there, than, than in that year, 2017 and 2018. Look out. I think UCF is primed to be a competitive team for years to come. And when you talk about non-Power 5 teams and how competitive they can be, how far they can get, in terms of a college football playoff berth, could they really get there? I think, obviously, it, it revolves around you want a Power 5 team in there for money, for fandom. You know, so you could have namesakes so a casual college football fan could listen. Because, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. In this season, actually, in Season 6 of the Tony G Show, that that's what sports want. Mm-hmm. is They want to swear their casual fans in. They want to grab their attention and pull them in going down the stretch towards their championship. It's really what it's about. So you're not going to put a UCF in there, but you know when you think of talent, when you think of coaching, when you think of competitiveness, you put UCF right up there. I mean, they're constantly in the top ten. They they weren't last season because of their six and four record. Head coach of Josh Hipple. again fired. See you later. COVID though, I mean, you don't want to yeah, totally put it on that. Yeah, that plays a factor. That wasn't a normal season. It wasn't. I didn't count it as a normal season. It ended with a normal result, Alabama winning the championship. But regardless, it was definitely a little outlier in the recent seasons. It was the first time they haven't won 
in the double digit category since 2016. Here's the thing though. When you look at the trend and the trajectory of UCF, it is, what did they do? Okay, you look at their 2015 season, 0-12. 0-12, Will. 0-12, you, you go out, you f- hire a new head coach. You know, you had Danny Barrett. That's insane. The head coach. No, you had George O'Leary there. You fire him. Danny Barrett steps in. You don't give him the job. You, job, you give it to Scott Frost. And he turns the program around. 0-12. Here they go again. 6-4, and four, you know, kind of average, all right sort of team. Lost in the Boca Raton, Raton Bowl. What do you do? You go out, hire a better coach, just like they did when they went 0-12. And change the trajectory of their future seasons. I love this signing. I think it's great for both Gus Malzahn and UCF. And I really do look forward to the future of UCF. Do I think they're going to be a college football playoff bowl? Probably not. Because like I said, they want power. They, the college football adversaries, want power five teams in there. But they're still going to be competitive regardless. Do I think they're going to get back to a 13-0, 12-1 sort of phase? I think it's very possible, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. I think it's well able that they could do that. Still talent and even more talent coming in with this new head coach and recruiter. And usually in college, there's this trickle-down effect. Like, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to turn around a program in one year from signing a new coach. Of course, yeah. In terms of recruitment, you have guys leaving and going every year. So they're going to, they'll start bringing in guys, I say maybe two years, three years from now, we'll really see where this new head coach brings them, where, uh, where Gus can take this team, but um, yeah, it could be a really, really big positive for this team in, in terms of recruitment. If they can bring oh, yeah. in those extra guys that we that they can sway away from a power five, look out. Look out, Will. Look out, because here comes segment number three of the Tony G Show. How about that for a transition? From college football to NASCAR. All right, Will, I'll let you take over the conversation. Uh I was kind of planning on checking out. Okay, fair enough. All right, everybody's <laughs> favorite segment in the Tony G Show. I'm going to recap Daytona. You know, Will, sometimes I just can't buy a break, a good break. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I wait all week for Daytona. I wait all winter for Daytona. Right. And it rains. I mean, it poured on Sunday in Daytona, Daytona Beach, Florida. I mean, it poured. It was like a monsoon. See, in Florida, oh, it rains. Gosh. It really rains in Florida. Yeah, it's a wet. It's a wet state. Mm-hmm. Florida. Okay, well, here's how it kind of went. Before we get into it, I do have to correct my comment. Talked about you asked me why do they call it the Daytona 500? <laughs> it's not because they race 500 laps, because they do 200 laps for 500 miles. Tony G's mess up. My bad. I said it. I knew that. But I botched it. I went back and listened to it, and I don't know why I said what I said. Goober. It's over. You, you, were, you were testing the viewers to see if they really knew their NASCAR. Yeah, see if they're paying attention, and all right. zero of them chimed in on my mistake. You were okay. actually testing me. Yeah, I was. You failed. Uh, good thing you're under contract moving forward. So what happened on Sunday at Daytona? Big wreck on lap 15. They get racing, you know, they get going, start your engine. Yeah, yeah. They had Kevin James, my one of my favorite actors, out there doing the intros, uh, doing the lineups. They had Pitbull out there, start your engines, yeah. You know, whatever, how he talks. Did he really? Yep, Pitbull was there. That's awesome. So he did the start your engines, you know, we get going. Oh, yeah, we're racing, we're racing. Lap 15, 14, 15, 16, you know, right around there. I think it was lap 15. Wreck. Crash. Bang. Bad one. The big one. They call. They always call the, the wrecks at Daytona the big one. There was two big ones to end the race. We'll get in there, into that one. But then the one on lap 15, right out the get-go. Christopher Bell. Remember that name, Will? Mm-hmm. Christopher Bell. I was talking to Will in, in the pre-show about, you know, you know we were going through the schedule, the, the script here about uh, recapping Daytona. And I, told, I was telling Will what happened. And I brought up Christopher Bell and how mad I am at him. Because <laughs> this cat. Lap 14, 15, 16. No need to be that aggressive. No need to try to make a push for any sort of first play. There's so many pits, pit stops to make. There's so many cautions that are going to be had. There's no need to be aggressive this early in the race, especially Daytona. 
I mean, you got 185 more laps to go. Let's right. chill out here. Christopher Bell pushes, I think it was Eric Almarola. Christopher Bell's in third place. Eric Almarola's in second. Christopher Bell tries to give Eric Almarola a push to get him up to first. Maybe Christopher Bell can increase his speed by just that little bit he needs. Maybe now he's in second. And, you know, now those two are one and two in a race. However, Christopher Bell goes to give this push to Eric Almarola and does it like an idiot. And wipes Eric Almarola out into the wall. Big wreck, big crash. My guy Matt DiBenedetto is involved. Will, say that for me. DiBenedetto. Matt DiBenedetto. You it's, like saying that name. It's I'm kind just, of fun to say. Yeah, I'm just giving you a chance on air to do it. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> Here's the one factor, though, that I think separates racers. You're either overly aggressive mm-hmm. or you're smart. That's the difference. Christopher Bell, overly aggressive, causes this big rush, this big wreck because he tries to give a push to Eric Almarola early in a race and does it like a moron and causes this big wreck. How about Denny Hamlin, though? Denny Hamlin, early in the race, drops to the way back. The way back. Trusts himself that he's going to be able to get back in into contention, into the top ten. And he was predicting a big early wreck. And he missed it because of that move to drop to the back. Let things kind of go as they were. Let the wreck kind of take. He could whittle his way through it. And he did just that. That's what separates a, a, a good racer from a you know average racer. You get out ahead of the curve. You know, I mean, it's not just turning left, people. It's decisions like this. And then driving straight. And then, it's an oval. It's an oval. All right, yeah, my guy Matt Benedetto was involved. His suspension in his car went out. He couldn't race. His night was over. He was looking forward to Daytona. He was bumming on their social medias, the Wood Brothers racing social medias and Twitters. You know, you, it is what it is. Better luck next time. You know, you always want to get off to a good start, too. Right. You always want to end in the top stage, in the top, you know, 10, Usually. 15 in the stages. Get yourself some points. Always counts towards your end of the season total. Right. Like usually when you race, you want to start fast, fast, and then you want to, in the middle of the race, you want to drive fast, and at the end, you want to drive fast. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, usually that's how, you know, if you win, you're going to do fast and all of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, you know, I'm not great wrong. perspective. Not wrong. <laughs> you know, like when people run marathons, they like, they like strategize, like why not just start fast, run the middle fast. And then finish fast, and it'll be really good. You know, I thought you were onto something when you said you want to start fast. And I was like, oh, I wonder where he's like, going oh, he's with actually going to give some. And then, yeah, okay, fair, fair sense of humor from Will McCormick. But then after the big wreck, like right as the wreck took place, rain. Here comes the rain. I was looking uh, on the scoreboard, and of course they went to the to the red flag to stop all cars so they could get the wreckage fixed. And then it said lightning delay. What? Where did this come from? I knew it was cloudy, but here we go. Here comes a lightning delay. That turned into a rain delay, which turned into a thunderstorm delay, which turned into a monsoon delay. (laughs) And I thought it was over. I thought they were going to do it on Monday. I thought I was going to have to watch it in the middle of my homework. No. Nighttime restart. 9 p.m. restart. I got to get to bed here, fellas. I got class at 9.30 in the morning. How long does a race take? A while. Like three hours? A couple hours. Three? No. Or like two, two, two and a half? Two and a half, three. That's a good Depending on the wrecks and, you know, how fast the pits go, you know. Right. How many laps there are, of course. This one's always takes a good amount of time. It took about two and a half hours, I think. I wasn't timing it, of course, but Michael McDowell ended up getting the win. And, again, big wreck on the final lap. Brad Keselowski was involved. He was um, kind of, I think it was, like, number... I think it was second at the time of the wreck, and he was Michael McDowell. Stole it away from him and got the win. Good for him. They're back at Daytona next Sunday for the road course. It's mm. not just the oval. Now it's the road course, twists and turns. That's not as fun for me to watch. It, really? And, yeah, you would think they'd get more people to watch. I like it when they go fast, you know. Mm. I like it when they get some momentum. I like to push. I like the, the theories. I like how the racers race. The strategy. The strategies See, yeah. on oval courses, you know. I'm more of like road a, courses is like eh. I like to watch like rally or like F1 racing. Well, I don't. Sure. I, I won't watch it for like 
three hours. You're like a casual guy, yeah. Yeah, but like if it's on and there's like, you know, it's like two o'clock on a Tuesday and there's nothing to do, it's like, all right, well, I'll watch some racing. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm more of a rally type. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm old school. Send them in the oval. I, I could watch them turn left all day. My favorite segment that Fox Sports does in their uh, broadcast, and I think NASCAR has something similar. I like Fox Fox's uh, broadcast compared to NASCAR. They do crank it up. Mm. So that's when the announcers don't talk. They let the cars do the talking. Oh, that's cool. They do the camera angles where the cars go by. Yum, 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 yum. That was pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a like a gun on a alien spaceship. Do it again. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah, don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You think we talked about enough NASCAR? Mm-hmm. All right, this will conclude another episode of the Tony G Show. Thursday, I mean Big Show. You ever watch wrestling? Oh, yeah. The Big Show? Big Show. Big Show. Maybe that'll be the intro song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to have an intro song, but if we did... It'd be the Big Show. It'd be the Big Show. Maybe that'll be our 100th episode. Were you intro. a fan of the Big Show? Yeah. Were you really? Yeah. I did not like the Big Show. He was, he was all right. Who was your main guy? WWE. Of course, I'm an Undertaker fan. I was. I love Undertaker. Shawn Michaels was another guy who was huge on. I watched Undertaker when I was like 10 years old here at the the Rush Center. Yeah. Watched him throw Rey Mysterio at some guys. Just threw him. Yep. He's a big dude. Not Rey Mysterio. He's small. Yeah. He's like my height. Undertaker's 6'10". Yeah, that's pretty tall. Six foot 10 inches. And he's from Death Valley. Yeah. (laughs) What a guy. Maybe we'll have to do a WWE special. I doubt we ever will. Probably won't. <laughs> the amount of listeners that we wouldn't get would be astronomical. They're already gone. No one's listening to this. <laughs> All right. That'll conclude the Tony G Show. Tim Bald coming up Thursday. I look forward to it. Will, we won't be formally talking to each other in an episode form again like this until next Tuesday because we mm-hmm. got Thursday show. So uh, we'll see you then. Episode number 92 of the Tony G Show now concluded. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. Thanks for listening. Tim Bald coming up Thursday. We'll see you then. Tony G Show.